You are fake news. Come on. Science is interesting. If you don't agree, you can fuck off. Let's do this. So, can we tell us about yourself and what you've been doing? Um, are you officially retired from MMA? Are you still getting a fight or two here or there? Uh, how's it going? Well, that's, that's the question, isn't it? So, my name is Kin Kong Moy. I was a professional fighter um, in MMA, boxing, um, for a number of years. And I had retired back in 2020 after defeating UFC vet Tateki Matsuda in a little bit of a grudge match um, because I was on the side doing an image consulting agency, like men's fashion, helping guys dress up, basically. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. but. It was really picking up and I decided to go full time with that because I was tired of getting concussed all the time. <laughs> and uh, I had gone full time and retired from MMA right before coronavirus hit, <laughs> which definitely threw a wrench in things, um, definitely slowed down the growth considerably. And it's been this really fun, not that fun. It's been this really interesting problem to solve and, and sort of keeping up with everything that's going on and adapting the services to make sense in a world where we're, you know, on lockdown, off lockdown, whatever. But at the end of the day, guys still got to present themselves well. So uh, that keeps me busy. But, you know, it's funny you ask, like, are you really retired? As soon as I, well, within a few months of retirement, after gaining like 25 pounds from just not having a restricted diet, I found myself watching my teammates competing. I found myself like watching fights and being like, man, I really miss that. Yeah. Except for the weight cutting <laughs> and the, you know, missing out on all your social occasions and spending all your time in a gym. And it becomes this thing where you wonder like, is the juice worth the squeeze? And while for a long time it was, lately I haven't felt I haven't felt that it was, yeah. but it always like kind of pulls at the back of my mind. Like, could I do that again? You know, that, that was really fun sometimes when it wasn't awful. Dude. Yeah. I, I understand that. I, and that pull is, is there even as you start getting up older, you're not, you're not that old yet though. You're, you haven't hit 30. Have you? Are you? I'm uh, going to be 32 this year, but I feel like in MMA, your prime is until like 36 or so. So maybe I could still turn it around if I lost a few pounds. I would say that your prime is there if you've been actively training since you were like 18, 19, 20. Because, you know, if you're starting it in your 30s, uh, maybe, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I still feel that pull, and I'm creeping up on 50, believe it or not. And so... Uh, but I also understand the uh, <laughs> impulse to take care of yourself a little bit better because then those things pile up. Those those injuries they just get. Ugh. Um, but um, I didn't even think about the whole men's fashion um, angle with regards to coronavirus and and the pandemic and and lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, because yeah, you, you if people are working from home, then you know it's jogger pants and a semi-stained t-shirt whatever as long as you're not on video you know so so how, how and even when you are on video sometimes you're like wearing the the stained jogger pants yep. under the cutoff dude I, I won't stand up but i have uh, american flag ranger panties on I, i'm not even kidding uh I, like if somebody dared me uh, on the the chat I might, but you know, there's no need to, to go there and suck, make you. Guys I, I'm, I'm going on to the chat and I'm daring you. <laughs> I know. Hold on. Oh, you might. Oh, uh, but then it makes it, it demands that I make a username and stuff. Oh, I guess yeah, I can't yeah, do yeah. that. So hold on. You know what? Fuck it. I, I, I can stand up. Like I'm not even kidding. Um, so <laughs> American flag. Yeah. Like Ranger Panty jogging shorts. Uh, 
But, I mean, that was what I was. I literally, because I'm, I'm an instructor for the National Guard, so um, we had some virtual drills at the uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, as you know, because we were taking it seriously. We, were, you know, we didn't want to get a bunch of people infected, and um, and so I may or may not have done a full uniform top, but with like no, you know, just fucking like whatever, like boxers on the bottom, uh, and you know, so that, that that's great. Uh, how did you? No, I've a hundred percent done that too. How did you adapt? I mean, how what how? I mean, I imagine there takes a lot of flexibility to. Uh, to shift uh, and provide guidance on, you know, some dudes, because most dudes have no fucking idea how to dress. So that's, I mean, just just tell us about your process and and what you've been doing and how that how that's going now. Well, prior to the pandemic, I've always seen style as visual language. It's how you convey your persona, your taste, your your values through your personal appearance through your presentation. And I think when you present it as such, it makes more sense to guys. I think a lot of guys, if you're just like, oh, don't you want to look cool or chic? They're like, nah, who cares? But when you think of it as self uh, presentation and you think of it as communication, suddenly the the real life dividends that it can pay, you, you can you can connect the dots a little bit more easily, especially for those who are in you know upper management, if they're in sales, having a, a polished presentation really helps instill uh, faith in their in their clients or their potential customers or whatever it is. So really the thing that I do with people is I try to meet them, understand how they see themselves and how we can translate that into the context that they're dressing for, which for the most part, you know, was prior to the pandemic was really very work focused or sometimes guys had weddings or I've had a few guys who did it for dating whatever the case. But once the the um, pandemic hit, I was no longer able to meet people in person. So I guess the obvious thing there would be to switch to Zoom. So I did a lot more like Zoom consultations. But the other thing was there was this big lull where people are like, well, I'm not getting dressed to go to work. I'm staying at home all the time. I don't even see other people. Like I don't have any need for this. So at that time I was just sitting on my, sitting on my hands and I focused on um, creating a subscription service. That's more like uh, rather than me going shopping with someone and helping them pick out the clothes in person and helping them tailor them to their body. I was focusing on style education, helping guys sort of understand the process of how to identify what it is in themselves that they want to convey, understand the audience that they might be trying to meet, and then how that translates into clothes. And through that, I would do, you know, like a monthly uh, consultation with them, help them sort of figure out what they could add to their wardrobe that would fit their budget and their needs. And we could gradually build it up. And that's been nice too, because it opened up um, avenues for me to work with people say in like New York or out of, out of my city where I would never otherwise have felt comfortable trying to do it. And definitely when you can't work with someone in person and it becomes more of this, like when it becomes more of like a mentorship thing than a hands-on, like I'm going to do this for you thing. It's a bit of a leap of faith because you can't, you know, you can't actually see the exact color. You can't see the exact way that it fits you as clearly as if I could like walk around the person. So it really becomes a lot about instilling the principles in them so that they can understand, you know, what needs to get done and sort of like, uh, I guess, again, like almost managing the process rather than being the, the maker of it. So that would be one of the big shifts was that I started doing more online consultation and doing more coaching and guidance rather than, uh, physical shopping with people. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I, uh, and that's, it's another thing. A lot of dudes won't 
ever admit to any kind of interest in fashion, and yet they still on some level obsess about it to a degree they will think about well you know i don't want to wear this because this i mean even just the, the pity you know the, the pitiful stuff where like i don't i won't hold my wife's purse you know they, they want to be seen as masculine they want to be seen as representing some form of their identity but they don't think about it on a conscious level they just do it or don't do it uh i mean my personal axe to grind is the uh, the vet bros or the 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 faux vet bros that dress up in the the, the beards and the, the tactical patch hats and that kind of thing. I mean, I live in Texas, so it's a little bit of a different environment. Um, I, I don't know if that was a big thing up in you're in Boston, right? That, that's your yeah town. So I don't did did it did that sort of thing make it up there? There's a lot of gravy seals and those sorts of dudes. <laughs> They're they're not as much in Boston, and especially considering how strict the carry laws are. Like, you, you, yeah, like you you'd see those guys in like New Hampshire or something, or okay. in surrounding towns. Um, unfortunately, there's a bit of that everywhere, but uh, probably not as prevalent as in Texas. Yeah, yeah, live free or die. Uh, <laughs> those, those folks. They, um, just as an aside, I, it's funny. So I basically what's going on right now is I'm looking at the camera. It's split. I see myself and then I see well, a blank box where would be you got my laptop below me. So whenever I'm trying to <laughs> look at you, I'm like always staring down. But I bet that might look a little awkward <laughs> for whoever's watching. Um, no, that's a, but, you know, they're not going to as as hear a, this more than see this. Oh, okay. That's a good point. For um, From the martial arts perspective, what you just said interested me. I'm sure you've heard you can't coach from a negative, which is to say that if you want someone to keep their hands up, you tell them, keep your hands up, not don't drop your hands. Huh. Um, yeah. Because that, that usually processes a lot quicker. And if, especially in the moment when you're fighting, if you hear don't, then you think, you know, like saying do something is easier yeah. than don't do something because they have to like figure out what it is that they're not doing. Um, I find that exactly. I find that that pertains a lot to what you just said about how guys are like, they, they are averse to fashion or to, I don't even like the word fashion. They're averse to considering how to style themselves or how to dress themselves, but they have very strong feelings about what they won't be caught looking like. And they, they sure as hell won't look like a, you know, queer eye for the straight guy wash up or something like that. So they have strong opinions about what they want to look like, but not specifically just what they don't want to look like. They're only looking at it from the negative half. And I see that or from, you know, aversion rather than what they're trying to go towards. And I see that and think a lot about when people say you have to coach from a positive, you have to focus on what you want your fighter to do, not what you want them not to do. And I think that a lot of guys miss out by having that, that attitude about it. Yeah. And a lot of guys don't really think, I mean, on a conscious level about their identity and what they want. I mean, they do, they think about it. There's just, you know, they, they put on their trucker cap or their, whatever, their Carhartt, you know, beanie or, or whatever that they want to be seen as their working class or a, a tough dude or their flannel shirt or, you know, lumberjack, whatever, whatever sort of thing they're going for. It's just not something that they would ever admit to doing. Um, a cowboy boots, for example, you know, for example, but, um, yeah, so I love all that stuff, though. It's so funny because people think um, style or whatever means like suits and ties, which it can in the right context. But I mean, you know, like that sort of American heritage workwear or lumberjack chic or whatever, those they're all genres of style. And people, you know, end up getting into that maybe not very deliberately, 
but they are, you know, still composing themselves in some fashion that they have in their mind. So, I mean, it, and it's funny because after the pandemic, um, freaking cauliflower ears, man, like my ear pods just always want to fall out. Um, after the pandemic, I've had less and less people asking me to help them with um, tailored menswear, with suits and ties. And a lot more it's about their sort of casual lifestyle kind of apparel or sometimes it is more about like how to get that how to bring a little bit more polish to the rugged apparel that they generally find themselves wearing um or how to like take that take that you know that part of their identity so one of my clients he's um he's actually like a woodworker and i think he does like some amazing stuff and he's such he's so savvy he's good to have also as a friend who has helped me a couple times with like home repairs or whatever but he you know won't be caught dead wearing a suit ever but he also doesn't like that he generally used to look like trash um because he just wear like and whatever it is but i'm like hey you've got like this whole aesthetic with your carhartt jacket and your jeans and your boots you can totally keep most of that but just you know maybe when you're doing a social thing just wear like clean ones that don't have paint stains and maybe kind of, you know, that kind of thing and it's it's been gradual but it's really turned around into this funny uh very interesting hybrid of like he definitely has that vibe that's rugged and like hands-on and blue collar but everything like fits really well and is clean and well, you know, not too wrinkly and all that stuff. And it, it ends up being true to himself, but still looking really good. Like a, you know, like one of those Pinterest lumberjack people or whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, authenticity is, is so huge for dudes. And, you know, I mean, if, if you figured out who you are and most, um, a lot of dudes have by, by the time they hit 30 or, you know, maybe mid thirties or so. And th- this is generally your thing, your, your personal aesthetic, your, the, the image you're trying to, put out in the world of who you are because people you know they like you said it's communication they look at you they read like in an instant they read as much as they possibly can about your identity because i mean that might be the only time they ever interact with you and then okay this guy if you're dressed like a you know a hobo clown murderer you're probably going to get a different reaction so yeah it's and i think from that perspective i mean guys spend a lot of time thinking about it but they don't think about it consciously and and so uh, one of the things I, one of the reason why we wanted to have you on was so that we could talk about this and, and maybe destigmatize the idea of like you said you don't like to use the word fashion to style or that as a visual communication as something that I mean we think about it just just own up to it man just be who you are show the world and, and just you know, be a little less grungy <laughs> so you know, I think that you hit the the nail on the head, like own up to it, because a lot of times, a lot of times what prevents guys from wanting to really put effort into their appearance is that they're afraid of ridicule because, you know, no one wants to, everyone says they don't care about style, but man, well, your friends roast you when you come out with a shitty outfit <laughs> and it stings and, um, you know, you don't really want to subject yourself to that. So a lot of times it becomes easier to just not really try because how can they criticize you if you weren't really doing it um but at the end of the day that could be said about anything that could be said about competition like you know yeah i get tapped all the time but it's just because it's the gym you know i don't really care it's not like it was a competition but having that mentality can make someone or that fear of the failure 
make them not want to try the competition, which ultimately will make them better in the long run. Yeah. So I think that owning up to it is, as you said, really a, a big component. But you know what's funny? For a long time, I was very anti-fashion or anti-style or anti-giving a shit what I looked like because I was like, it should matter what I bring to the table, not how I present myself. I don't want to just look, I don't want to be one of those guys in the gym who comes in with like the sick, this is so dated, but at the time, like, you know, the sprawl board shorts <laughs> and the, you know, no gi rash guard and the, the tap out gloves or whatever yeah. and end up sucking and just eating shit when they get on the mats. And it was actually a friend from the gym who said to me, okay, Ken, that's valid. But when you see that guy with the sick board shorts and the rash guard before you've sparred with them, do you think that he's, you know, do you assume he's good or that he's shitty or what do you think about him? And he knew the answer was that a lot of times I've seen people come on with really awesome gear and I'm like, oh man, this guy's going to be good. I'm like nervous. (laughs) And then when we actually start moving, they suck. And I'm like, oh, this guy's a poser. But until we really put it to the test and found out, I was giving this guy way more respect than I otherwise would have. And that totally applies to any other context in life because as you said we just size each other up yeah i mean dudes especially i mean well actually you know both genders uh size each other up um, in in different ways you know i mean i I can't speak on behalf of of women but you know i know know dudes are like is this guy where in the pecking order do i fall it in you know in comparison to, to this random person and, uh, and yeah, especially the gym, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but way back in the day, you, you brought up sprawl shorts. We did a, a parody of sprawl because, you know, they were famous for having the word sprawl written down the way. So we did a parody of sprawl shorts that we uh, offered for like at cost that said shorts <laughs> down, down the way. There's just shorts. <laughs> so I still did you have, have any, I would totally buy some. I, I still have my pair and they're, they're like worn to hell because I, I would just wear them. It said fucking shorts. So yeah, that was, that was great, man. That, that, those are the days. I got, I got a, this is a perfect segue. So I was really honored when you asked me to join you guys because before I got into fighting and in my early days of training MMA, I thought that Bullshito.net was the coolest fucking thing. And my biggest aspiration was to get one of those throwdown fists on my, yes. um, on my profile. And I really couldn't conceptualize anything being cooler or more badass than being Bullshito infamous. So I throwdowns, but I kind of sucked back then. And I just got shitted on by uh, Vin the Kid. Do you, oh, know, yeah. do you remember him? Yeah. Um, and that, so I think that like my, one of the, the, the posts that I remember from Bullshito was just me getting like ground and pounded and teabagged by him. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, one day, one day I'll get that Bullshito throwdown fist. And one day maybe I'll even get one of those uh, competition tags or something, yeah. but then I completely forgot about it for like five years and had a bunch of fights and you know, like, I don't know, you, you, but you went above what the, those requirements were and then they didn't matter anyway. Cause yeah, it was, I mean, we honestly, we did that back in the day just to inspire more people to get off their ass and do it. Because I mean, if, if my goofy ass can get in the cage twice, you know, my spectacular O and two MMA record, um, and, and just, any literally anyone could, uh, but aside from somebody that's like physically disabled or you know whatever, uh, it's and yeah, pl- plenty of dudes. Uh, it, I, I'm glad that we inspired people to to do stuff that they nor- wouldn't normally. Although I, I have a strong suspicion you would have done it anyway, irrespective of you know whether or not we existed. So. 
Well, that's probably true, but I really thought that you guys were ahead of your time in terms of um, – I think that those tags, what you know, they inspired people to do stuff, sure. But even more so, like you could really just kind of look at someone's, um, you know, profile and have some idea of where they're coming from. Because online, people talk so much shit, and uh, you know, from behind a keyboard, you have no idea what this person's credentials are. And at least that way, you can be like, hey, like, so okay, you're a judo black belt. Maybe yeah. you're not completely full of shit. Maybe there's some merit to what you're saying. I had, um, I, I. I I don't make TikToks really, but I am on TikTok a lot and I've like made like the odd rant. And one was that I wish that they had a system like Bullshito.net where you had to like have like a tag that says, you know, something or like I wish that there were throwdowns or a dojo raids for these fuckers who do like stupid, well, cool looking stuff on TikTok, but then purport to be actual experts in fighting. And a lot of the biggest uh, content creators on TikTok, like and they really speak with such you know, they, with their chests out and stuff and with so much authority. And I look them up on Tapology, and they're like, oh, and six. I'm like, oh, go fuck yourself, yeah. guy. Like, yeah, dude, uh, we missed out on the TikTok whole thing. When it, when everything shifted over towards those sorts of content platforms, we, we didn't follow. And a part of that's my fault just because I was like, uh, no, that's, that's, that's not my game. Um, and then, uh, but now it seems like, and I am feeling bad about this because it seems like there's so much bullshit out there that needs to be combated. And there are people out there that are doing it. They're, they're like calling out, you know, Mr. Um, God, what is his name? Uh, the gun self-defense dude. Um, that, you know, oh, dust, dust, dust TMC or whatever. Yeah. And then, dust tactic, Detroit urban tactic. Special tact. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, the the guy whose entire existence depends on somebody who doesn't know how to properly use a firearm, which is not right in someone's face. The whole point of a gun is to hurt somebody a long way away. You know. So, I mean, if you can reach out and touch somebody who's holding a gun, you're that that, that guy just deserves to have his ass kicked. So, but um, yeah, and we. It's like a whole generation has come up. Uh, I mean, after us, and I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, you're a millennial, but the Zoomers are missing out on all this. Uh, they they came into a world that where Bullshito isn't really chasing these people down anymore because, I mean, most of us got a little bit old. We're, we're doing more professional things. We were talking about broader topics, and so – the the roaches have crawled out of out from under the woodwork and they're they're starting to you know they're they're, they're getting a little bold so uh, I, I I agree it's funny before this you know before TikTok too um like three or four years ago I was talking with I don't remember maybe it was Vin actually because he's like a brown belt now and he sometimes comes up and if he's ever in town we'll roll stuff and we were talking about bullshito and i think i had said something like you know it was a great thing it's a little obsolete because now no one you can't you know there's an mma gym around every corner and there's no way you could possibly go and make these absurd claims because someone will just check your shit or or the students will just be like hmm this seems like bullshit and there's like real fighters over there and come two years later when tiktok is so big boy am i eating my words um right now because, yeah, like you said, they should, the road just crawled back out. No, I was the same way. I thought we had just basically declared mission uh, complete and well, went on. We were mission accomplished and um, started moving on to bigger things. And now it seems like it's coming back. And damn, we're, we are not in the position to do it. I, I, 
anybody that wants you know some credentials or credibility or want to want to take on that that challenge i welcome you to it we can work together you know if, if somebody if you know somebody that wants to go on and fight the battles on tiktok please please do it i'm i'm, I'm just not going to put that on my phone <laughs> so yeah no i i don't blame you um i really hope someone steps up it's sure cell isn't going to be me because that sounds like a big i mean because you have to enjoy some degree of it i'd imagine to spend all of your time like scrolling through and and calling people out and like you you have to be like a big a bit of a troll yourself to to enjoy to partake in that full time or with the amount of time it would require so it's like that's not for me but i genuinely hope somebody with some real credentials comes out and just like flies out and beats these people's asses or at least like calls them on their bullshit um i would have hoped cat williams would but she's too busy doing sword content but she's doing good on tiktok I, I've, um, I, I've i've invited her to be one of our ambassadors over there and you know she's got all kinds of crap going on she i i, I love her she's great so uh but yeah yeah that's a whole new battlefront that you know we just are not on and uh i feel bad but you know we, you can only fight so many things and right now i i you know, from our perspective, it seems a little bit more of a priority to go after the uh, sort of existential threats to society, which is kind of what we've been addressing, trying to get people to use their critical thinking skills and um, and self-defense against bullshit. That, that's kind of like that, that's our tagline that we've been working with for like five years now, because it, it, it all works. It's all relative to the martial arts. I mean, if you don't know how to defend yourself, getting your ass kicked, you're going to get your ass kicked. If you don't know how to defend yourself against somebody bullshitting you into acting against your best interests, guess what? <laughs> your, your Western civilization collapses. So, I've uh, I have noticed that um, I, I'm loath to use the word political because I feel like it shouldn't be, but definitely a lot of the topics that Bullshito tackles these days are more entwined with, I, I guess, politics and society's hot topics and whatnot. But there is a lot of bullshit prevalent in, in both of those that needs, that does need to be combated. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, was it, there was a philosopher, and I think it was Hannah Arendt that, that basically said that that being political is just what you do. I mean, you're just... That, that's part of being an adult and living in a society is you're working towards either making thing better, things better or, um, you know, you're enabling somebody to take advantage of other people. So there's you, you, you're, you're part of the game even if you don't want to be part of the game. So that's – Damn, I feel called out. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not calling you out. It's just – it's a common – No, I know. I, I know. I, I, but I, I think that that does resonate with me. And sometimes makes me feel like I wish I did more. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a guest guest feature of my cat. Hey, because he decided to to join me. <laughs> What's its name? Andy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I uh, he's he's a rescue, so I, I didn't choose the name, but it's it's stuck. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that that's true, and I guess I I ask you this. Do you think that, because I've heard some people say, and this resonates with me perhaps out of laziness, but I used to be a lot more outspoken about social issues. Um, and then I think at some point I got just a little worn down and I tend to speak with people more one-on-one -on -one, and I feel like I can have more impact in that way. Yeah. But I guess at some point, like someone said to me, like, can you can't, you know, there's only so much you can do, um, or rather that there are two, there's two avenues. You can be like Bullshito, like who has like a platform. You can talk about like social issues and, and spread awareness, knowledge and, and whatnot 
on a larger scale. Or you can, you know, just go and talk to your fucking racist uncle and like yeah. try to sort his shit out. Um, do you do you find yourself doing that a lot in real life, just on the internet, both, some combination in between? What do you recommend the average person does it just in that regard? It just depends on your interpersonal tolerance for interacting with people. Whereas, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. I, I could go like weeks without seeing another human being and be fine. Um, but... You know, one of the good things about interacting with people on the internet is, you know, at some point you can just, you know, put the damn phone down and walk away forever. Or if, if you just want to break, you know, just check out. Um, so one of the things I was saying the other day is that um, I don't really have the time anymore to, like you said, like dive into every single bad post or something and, and, and call it out and address why this or that is, is BS. But um, so I've, I've started saying, yeah, I, I only argue with idiots in the aggregate. So um, so I, I try to reach as many people as possible. Now, there is something to be said about the individual approach, because uh, going after somebody's bad ideas one on one so they can see you. They can see that you give a shit about them. You're not attacking them. It, it, I mean, there's, it's great. It's a, it's a good way of doing it. Anything that helps. I, I'm, I'm one of those believers in, you know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. If, you know, as long mm. as you're inching towards making things better, you're making things better. So I, whatever sort of approach you want to use that works best for you, that fits within the, the, your comfort level and as mad as the kind of change you want to make within the world. God, I hate that phrase. But um, yeah, it, just making the world a little less shitty. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. Do it, man. I mean, we, we have a bigger platform so we can reach more people, but everybody has a platform of people they know and you just like try and improve it a little bit. It's like, Hey man, why do you, why, why do you think that? I was like, where did you hear that? Or what question assumptions and don't make them feel attacked. Uh, if that's how you want to handle it. It's a uh, street epistemology. Just get them answering, answering questions. Like, Really? Well, you th you think the president is in a cabal with uh, alien reptiles that eat children blood? And why do you think that? Where'd you find out about that? You know, and you know, interrogate them. But you know, just because most people have ideas and they'll regurgitate somebody else's ideas. Uh, but if you if you run that down a little bit, uh, then then they're like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of just repeating what I heard. I didn't really think about it too much, and so. That's also victory. So I don't, yeah, man, just if everybody just interacted with everybody like that, I, I think things would be better. That's it. That's I think, I think so too. That's a, that was a pretty good tutorial right there. I think that uh, sometimes my emotions definitely get the better of me and I can become a bit more accusatory uh, rather than inquisitive. Yeah. You know, that was the thing too, though. I used to, again, spend a lot more time discussing and or debating and or arguing about social issues on the internet. But I, it, it's funny, it would get me so mad <laughs> that at some point I, I did, that was part of why I stepped away too. Cause I was like, I can't believe that I would go on my phone for recreation to talk, you know, on Facebook. And then I, I by the end of it, I'm like fuming and just want to go like, find this person and jump them. I'm like, this is, this probably is not like the way, um, well, it doesn't funny have... story. And go, no, you tell, tell the story. <laughs> I was, I was just going to say that Facebook changes posts around so that you get angry, but yeah. Yeah, I feel, I definitely feel, I feel, I feel that. Um, I was going to say a funny, a funny segue is something back to martial arts, men's fashion and, um, 
Bullshito and social issues. I feel like it was a couple years ago. I had decided we were talking about that guy, Tanner Guzzi. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I think he has really, I mean, he's inspired me a lot when it comes to like my approach to styling people, because I used to think of him more in terms of aesthetics and less about communication. And he sort of planted the seed uh, for me to think of it in a different way. But, uh, and you know, I, I started following him on Instagram and some of his content is great. And sometimes I'm like, is this dude like a fucking Nazi? Like, uh, I think that his, yeah, I was going to say that that's someone who has become more polarized or at least more, um, open about his political ideologies. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. What were you going to say about Tanner? Oh no. I mean, just the, the only interaction I've ever had with him was when, I mean, I think we, you know, brushed up against each other other over on Twitter or something about that. And he was making fun of some dude at the gym wearing like these uh, cargo shorts and, and they look comfortable. They look like um, jogger pant cargo shorts that were cut off with a pocket on it. And I was like, man, dude, why do you give a fuck what that guy's wearing? I mean, is he lifting more than you? Yeah. Okay. Well then, you know, that's the criteria by which you judge somebody at the gym that as long as they're not doing stupid shit. Otherwise, man, the gym is supposed to be a, a safe space for, you know, <laughs> do where your, your friggin' uh, Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon shit there. I don't care. There was a guy that went to my old gym back when I went to a gym who would have a, uh, my hero academia, you know, um, shirts. And I mean, he was, he was like a middle-aged white dude. I was like, okay, man, fuck it. You, you rock that shit. I don't care. But yeah, so that was the only thing. And, and so I, I sort of have a thing against the dude just because of that one time, I became aware of him. He could have been an amazing guy. He could, you know, donate, you know, bone marrow, you know, twice a month or whatever in his life. But yeah, so it's, it's actually makes me feel better to know that, you know, he's kind of an asshole. So yeah, <laughs> not that you said that, I'm not uh, putting words in your mouth. But, no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's funny cause he, um, I do not have a large Instagram following, but uh, dapper dangerous LLC on Instagram add me um i don't have a large instagram following but i do have a couple of really famous people following me and tanner guzzi was one of them and i re- was really loath to follow him back for a long time uh because of that and then eventually i was like you know what like i do I'll, he's got some good content let me just i'll follow him back and then on his stories some shit would come up and i was like oh my god like what am i what am i looking at here um and then i'm kind of like kind of circling back to like, yeah, maybe i don't really want this on my feed no, there's, um, um, but, there, there was a, there's a problem in social media, and um, the the term that's arose to, um, to to encapsulate the idea is audience capture, and especially dudes that are making that are bigger name social media celebrities of whatever, especially the ones that talk about politics a little bit, they sort of get nudged to one extreme or the other over time to appease their audience because. That's where the clicks are. That's where the likes are. The people that are more rabid about a topic are the ones more likely to, you know, support your Patreon or subscribe to this or that. And so over the years, I've watched several people, uh, especially on Twitter, that will go, you know, okay, I have some sort of centristy kind of views, but maybe this one little um, wild out of, out of far right field thing that, you know, I can kind of defend, but, you know, it's uh, haha, it's just, it's not a big deal. And then they start eking towards that. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're making anti-Semitic freaking conspiracy theories just on a daily basis. You're like, what the fuck? So, uh, I don't know. I was, I was screw it. You know what? I'll, I'll name name. James Lindsay was a um, he, he he's a 
he's got a PhD in math and he was like an academic for a while and uh, he he was just sort of centrist. He came up with some ideas. I ended up. Um, I guess he got retweeted by Trump once and got a, picked up a huge followers back when Trump still had an account on Twitter uh-huh. um, and, and picked up a huge amount of followers. And then um, he just went full bore right wing. And um, I, I think I actually challenged him out to a fight last year. Like I said, I, I will literally fight you. You want to let, let's do this um, because he called out Elliot, Elliot Page and said, I could kill you with a punch. Because somebody somebody replied to Elliot Page in a in a swimsuit picture, like a, some board shorts or something, saying, "Oh, hey, you look tough." And I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, Elliot Page, dude, uh, trans dude, um, used to be Ellen Page, but um, so now the dude's a far right wing asshole, like preying on him, saying, "I can kick, I can kick your ass, I can kill you with a punch." Because Elliot Page is like maybe 110 pounds, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, small person in general so and then yeah i i ran him down because that audience capture that guy just lost his fucking mind and ends up making threats to people on on, on social media so I, I don't respond well to that i'm assuming you didn't actually get to fight him fuck no i didn't that uh, this dude okay this dude's semi-famous for uh, a goofy video of him doing like kung fu sword forms in his driveway so I, I don't. I'm not trying to promote the guy, but yeah, he's gone far far right. And that anyway, the, the whole point was that audience capture. How somebody that's mm. reasonable ends up going to one extreme or the other over the years, and that's that's something to be aware of. I mean, I'm not worried about that ever happening with you because uh, you you got a good head on your shoulders. But some some people that mm. I, I was thinking, it's funny because in my head I'm like, oh shit, am I going to be at some sort of like crazy? Well, I mean, I would never end up in the alt-right, so I'd probably become, become some sort of insane leftist yeah. by that. Yeah. Let's see, yeah. What, would my, what would my insane leftist views become? <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll think about this. We'll, we'll circle back to that later in the what, podcast. Uh, I'll try to... Leftist view. Seize the means of production, you know, uh, like get out the guillotines and, you know, something about the bourgeoisie or something. I don't know. Landlords kill the landlords. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's a tanky. That's straight up tanky. That's a that's a thing. They're now they're they're currently rooting for Russia for some reason, even though Russia is not far left at all. They're on the opposite. Yeah. It's just it's bad yeah. out here, man. I I I know you're probably not as deep into it as, as I am, but it's it's just not not at all. But even from where I stand, I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll just stick to the to the martial arts and the yeah, just and the men's fashion. Do your do do good within the the things that you're you know you're an expert on because uh, I mean you you do have a potential to reach a lot of people, a lot of dudes, and, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, wanted to make sure we talked about and we we brushed up against it earlier is the issue of masculinity, and the idea of what it means to be a man and how, how there's so much out there where so many dudes out there that are concerned and actually afraid of being seen as less than masculine and that changes their whole approach to everything and their behavior including how they dress i mean some dude that might just want to wear some some comfortable clothes has to go out of his way to you know look tough look like a badass or um i don't know maybe wear wrangler jeans and and drive a souped up truck or or whatever and and so have you brushed into brushed up against that as in in the the style industry yet you know, yeah, yes and no. Um, I guess because I do, you know, I do it for work, and I do. I'm not. 
not I'm not like cheap. So I feel like a lot of the people who come to me have already made up their mind that they want to do this or at least interested in it. So I've never had someone be like, yes, I browsed your website, perused your services. I'm thinking of working with you, but actually fashion is gay. So no, <laughs> like usually we don't, we don't get as far as, as that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's lots of people who I, you know, know of me through social um because my, my Facebook following is not huge, but it's a lot larger just because I used to be like famous locally for fighting. And I'm sure there's plenty of people on it who are like, oh, I hate Kin's fashion ventures or styling ventures, but they don't really often, um, you know, it doesn't come up a lot for me. But I definitely think that a lot of guys do have this, a lot of guys do have this um, aversion to it because of what you said, it makes them feel like it's too girly to dress up but they already play a different kind of dress up. And to them, I would just say to anyone, I would say, Hey, like whatever your thing is, just like identify it, own up to it, try to do it deliberately. And you're probably better off with your personal presentation. Like whether that is the Wrangler jeans and, you know, giant pickup trucks or um, I don't know any, anything else. Like even like I've had, I, I did um, a consult with the dude the other day who works in um, like video games and is a like, kind of nerdy. And I was like, dude, like you don't want to wear a suit. Like that's not going to help you. You need to get on like crazy as this is to say, because he's, you know, like, I think almost 30, but I'm like, you know, you got to get on your, like, your athleisure, your, your cool sneakers, maybe the odd graphic tee, but like, make it make sense for who you are and, and who you want to be seen as. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it would be better. Dudes would be a little less anxious about representing themselves if they just thought consciously about that. Not, you know, I'm just going to wear a greasy t-shirt out in public, you know, I mean. I, I think I had a conversation with somebody a while back about, you know, yeah, it, think about it this way. Um, yeah, I mean, clothes aren't that big of a deal and you shouldn't really judge anybody, but every, literally everybody does judge you. So if you're pulled over on the side of the road with a flat tire as a, or, or just walking down the road in, in distress, would somebody be more likely, more or less likely to stop and help you as a guy based on how you're dressed when you go out in public? I mean mm. – that's it's a good thought exercise yeah if, yeah when you look like a, when you look like a potential serial killer they yeah. tend not to be as inclined to, i mean if uh, you're wearing a cut you know, sleeveless shirt and you know just the grungiest <laughs> cargo shorts that used to be a pair of cargo pants um and flip-flops yeah i'm i don't know if you're gonna you know rob me for meth uh but you know so so I really identify with that because contrary to what some people would expect of me, I don't necessarily dress that great all the time. I just, when it's time to present myself well, I do. When it's not, I may or may not choose to. So when I'm going to the gym, sometimes I do wear pretty fitted, you know, athleisure. And sometimes I'm like, these are the grossest sweatpants I have because I'm going to come right, you know, go right from there with my, you know, my tie shorts still on and sweating and just go home and shower. Like, so, um, but in the same day, I can go out for a gym session in the grungy crap and I can see and perceive how people are, um, you know, like regarding me, looking at me, treating me. And it's, it's distinct, you know, there's a flavor to it. And then later in the day, say I'm going out to meet a client and I am dressed, my, my attire is a bit more elevated, completely different in the same span of a day, just completely different, uh, vibes that I get from other people. People are more, give me more difference, more, you know, almost more just like, I hate to say it, but like almost more just like respect. Like I, I have dudes just, you know, like hold the door open or like, here you go, Sarah, like that kind of thing. And it's weird too. Cause I'm like, you don't, you know, that's, 
a suit shouldn't make put me on a pedestal above somebody else. But for whatever reason, people just treat you so differently. And I never, um, I have a very frequent reminder of that when in the same day I'm going to the gym and then meeting a style client because it's like, it just is like, bam, like that. Not like next week. It's just like within two hours, I'm going to get a complete flip-flop of how people look at me, treat me, and talk to me. Yep. And, and dudes will pretend that, oh, I don't care about any of that. It's like, you do. I mean, because it's the same reason why, you know, somebody bathes before they go out in public, you know, or, you know, you, you're not rocking around with something, your zipper undone or something hanging out of your nose. You're just, you know, you care. You, you care about how you interact with other people and what they think of you to some extent. Some people just use that as an excuse just to be lazy and not put effort in it. It goes back to a lot of guys do, they, they go halfway. They don't go, I want to be perceived well and treated well and hence represent myself well. They just say, I don't want to be treated badly and I don't want to be perceived badly. So I'm just going to do the bare minimum to not get treated badly. But it's like, why stop there? Like strive for a little bit more, you know, like you don't have to, I don't know, get like custom fitted clothes, but you could choose clothes that don't have stains and yeah. fit you a little bit better than, you know, the bargain bin stuff. And, and that's, that's, that's about it. Thing you, know? that you could probably give some people some helpful advice on is like on a budget, because uh, right now people, a lot of people are still hurting. They're, they're figuring things out. Gas is super yeah. high. So you might not buy that, that $20 t-shirt. You might, you know, have, put that in your gas tank. So uh, what would your advice be for a guy that genuinely wants to make some effort, but just not can't budget, you know, a huge chunk of their paycheck for clothes. I would say that, um, let me see if I can not go on a crazy rant. Um, I would say that less is more and you're better off trying to cut down and get rid of the crap that you don't like to wear, that you don't love in your closet, and just start gradually collecting a few items that really make you feel good and represent you well until you have enough that, you know, and enough that go well together that you've got a small, lean, but pretty interchangeable wardrobe. And then it's almost like you don't have to stare and put a lot of effort into like, oh, does this go with this? If you just make sure it's all like streamlined and neutral or whatever, then you can kind of just like pick up anything and look good. And it takes a lot of the effort out. Um, That's one thing. The other thing is, um, man, people think that the amount of money you put into something like no one can tell if you have a, a three thousand dollar suit versus a hundred dollar suit if it fits you well. I mean, the the fabric won't feel as nice on a cheaper suit, and the you know it'll probably fall apart quicker. But you can you no one will know. You know you can look great on any budget. You just have to really make sure that um, the four the four pillars of style are context, contours, colors, composition. Context. Make sure what you're wearing makes sense for what you're doing. So like, don't wear this to the beach. Um, but also, don't wear the bathing suit to your job interview unless you're trying to be a lifeguard, I guess. I don't know. Just make it make sense for what you're doing and for who you are and who you want to be seen as. Contours. Choose things that are not super tight and not super loose, that are not too long, not too short. Like you can probably, even if you just eyeball it, you might not have a trained eye, but as long as it doesn't look egregiously to this, to that, probably pretty good. Um, Colors, that's where it gets a little trickier. A lot of guys really struggle with color coordination. I would say the big trick is you don't want things to be too bright. 
a lot of guys really go for like for whatever reason like very high contrast very bright art garments or they'll just wear like all black or something like just get some like you know gray white charcoal blue you know it's 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 pretty you don't have to go crazy just make sure that things are not like glow in the dark bright and and they're probably going to look fine on you and then with composition it's sort of just like actually that's a lot of times composition that would be like layering accessories patterns that's what people think style is but if you think of it like a pyramid it that's like the top of the pyramid like the least important that's just like the pizzazz i i would actually say that if you're you know um more of a beginner Think about the other three things that I mentioned. And then just when you're putting it together, just make sure that it looks, make sure that the whole thing looks good together. Don't, oh, that's what it is. Don't think, oh, I've got this one piece that I freaking love and I'm going to wear this yellow leather jacket and who cares about the rest of it? Cause the yellow leather jacket's awesome. Just make sure that the whole thing looks, you know, reasonably good. And you're probably, you're probably off to a good start. And um, it can obviously get a lot more nuanced technical and specific than that. But I think just having that approach mentally will make a really big difference if you're just deliberate and a little bit more thoughtful. Just take a minute to look at it, contemplate it, and you can refine from there. That, that's that's good. That, that'll that help out a lot of people because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, once you got to drag them, drag the horses to the water and make them drink that the idea that they do give a shit about how they're they're on some level about how they're perceived and then you know to say uh, now once they do once they drink from that that river this is a really bad analogy i'm using but uh once once they you do finally accept it then yeah i mean we'll have a lot fewer badly dressed guys out there and and i don't know maybe uh, maybe it's just me being kind of a smug asshole but when i i live in austin so and my wife loves like higher end restaurants. So when we get the chance, which hasn't been the last two years much because of, you know, things, but, um, mm. she, she, she loves those, those, those nicer restaurants. We have friends that are chefs, chefs and stuff. And so when we do, and you go and you're, you're like, I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on some nice clothes. I mean, maybe just a button up shirt, you know, maybe, you know, just whatever, some good, nice shoes, whatever, just nice, but not over the top. And then you go, and then, you know, obviously she's, she's wearing a dress, you know, she's, she's like putting some effort in, you get there and there's like people in flip flops at the goddamn restaurant, you know, like paying, you know, walking out of there with a $500 like dinner, like ticket, but they're, they, they just showed up like they rolled off the couch and went to dinner. And that is, I mean, yeah, ma'am, you do you. And I don't feel like I should be judging, but I kind of do. Cause it, it ruins the, the mood. it detracts from the ambiance. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, look, if you go to a sick uh, Muay Thai gym and everyone there is doing the like, oh, and like, you know, they've got the tie shorts on and they look, you know, they're wearing the fair text gear. You're like, oh, sick. I'm at a Thai gym. If you go to a, to a Muay Thai gym where this, and this doesn't happen, this is totally made up. But you go to a Muay Thai gym where everyone is both actually skillful and good at Muay Thai, but is wearing like a ripped wife beater and like basketball shorts. I don't know, man. There's just something about the vibe that doesn't feel right. And it kind of is like, this isn't the full experience that I was hoping for. Okay, That, that helps me out because I've been wrestling with this. You know, I, I felt guilty at the you know, judging people how they show up at, at places but you know that 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 yeah that that helps me settle why you know i'm like yeah you're you're kind of ruining the atmosphere man you're you know you're showing up to a party in a fuck you t-shirt you know it's just kind of yeah 
Yeah, but on the on the flip side, it's ultimately up to the I guess it's up to the gym to uh, <laughs> it's up to the gym to make you buy the gym rash guard, or up to the restaurant to enforce enforce some sort of dress code. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. At yeah, all, apparently. So fair, fair. And not so much in Boston either. Boston, Boston's really funny um, when it comes to style and whatnot. It's actually so it's been voted worst dress city in America oh, like four years by GQ. Oh, um, and but I think that with the uh, the influx, uh, not influx, the the large proportion of you know like younger folks who are going to school from other places um, and sometimes you know foreign exchange and whatnot, you you get a lot of interesting looks these days. And I think Boston has become really eclectic in its style um but also a lot better than like what you think of like the the old southie guys with like i don't even know what the, what the stereotype would be at yeah. this point yeah yeah he's a boston he's come a long way from that uh, joe rogan i do believe too, so right? uh. yeah yeah joe rogan was actually uh he did taekwondo out here oh man uh, yeah and let's not go down that that whole Joe Rogan no. thing. It's, yeah. yeah, that's I'm all set with that as well. Yeah, we're good. Uh, but uh, okay, yeah. It's funny. A tangent. A tangent. Oh no! Unless you had something. No, 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 no. I'm I'm staying off that. <laughs> I was gonna say a, a tangent that I'd like to circle back to regarding, um, you know, the analogy of, of of fight gyms and then form and function and all of that. I really would assert that form can be function, style can be substance. And I remember I've got this stupid anecdote where I had um, a friend who was visiting from another gym and he's like pretty nasty. And we fought in Bellator, became friends afterwards, but we had trained together before. And he was like a black belt in jujitsu and somehow was really good at striking, even though he wasn't known for that. He kicked me in the head like three times in one round and I was like, wow, this dude is like way better than I realized. Um, and then, you know, thought nothing of it. But then we ended up having a, um, we ended up getting matched against each other in Bellator. I did manage to win, but I got concussed. And I've never won a single round against him in the gym ever. Oh, shit. Um, so, you know, it was just my lucky night, I guess, whatever. But so he, he's nasty. His name's Walter. Um, and then I, I, so he's, so he's actually legitimately good. Then there's this clown in our gym who looks like, conor mcgregor he's just like really jacked and like has like a big beard and he like would spar in this really like weird like chin up disdainful way but he looks so intimidating um that people just like i don't know gave him a lot of respect and i i, I did too coming back to the whole like if they look the part you might treat them like they are yeah. the first time i sparred with them i was like oh shit this dude looks like kind of scary and then at some point i was like well we gotta mix up we gotta see what happens so i got in there we had some exchanges and then i was like oh he actually has like pillow hands and his chins up so I can just tag him a lot. <laughs> but until that point, I was like, oh, this guy is scary. Um, so that guy was there as well. And in, in this night that we did some cross training and um, my friend Walter came in, beat the shit out of me, beat the shit out of our other pro fighters. Like he was just smoking everyone. But then he goes against this wannabe Conor McGregor guy who's just got this exuding this insane air of confidence jacked to shit took his shirt off for this round oh shit like and he's just doing the karate like you know just like this and for whatever reason walter's just like you know they're both kind of like giving each other a lot of respect he's doing the like the calf kicks and they're just nothing's really happening for most of the round end of the round you know fake conor mcgregor just like 
blitzes him with like a charging punt and then double legs Walter. Um, obviously doesn't go anywhere with it, but that was the whole round and he definitely won the round. And it was really like frustrating for me to watch because I'm like, you just ran through our pro fight team. But like that clown is the one who, who is the only one who went around against you tonight. But the thing is, his presentation was so, um, you know, powerful, to be honest, that it had real substantial effect on, on performance. And when people tell me that when they have that idea that it's style or substance, I'm like, you know, it, it actually style can be substance and it can really have a tangible effect. And it's better to not leave that on the table if you can help it. Yeah, no, I mean, to an extent, perception is reality, especially when it comes to if you're putting the effort in to look a certain way, you're putting the effort in to look a certain way. I mean, that that's part of that. I mean, you're the, the I mean, if you want to look at it from an evolutionary sort of perspective, the the prettiest uh, peacock out there is the most um, healthy potential mate for a female peahen. So if you're putting the effort in to to peacock as a dude, uh, you're probably a little bit ahead of the game uh, compared to the other dudes anyway. Because I mean, you're you're putting effort into it. You you care about your appearance. Uh, I'm assuming you care about your hygiene. So you're already ahead uh, of a lot of the other guys on the uh, and the the market. So so yeah, I mean style, fashion. Uh, appearance is reality so yeah i mean i can see how especially in that in that sort of in that that industry so yeah but and also in fighting and the funny thing i really like what you just said about the peacock thing because i think immediately when you say that i'd imagine a lot of guys will have this sort of like clenched like ugh, like you know they don't like the sound of that because i had that same feeling because i usually when i think of like someone peacocking like I think of some cringy, like over the top, overly loud, douchebag looking dude yeah. with like the deep V down to his like dick or something. <laughs> but I, th- I think the other thing too, and this is a big one that I, I tell people, if there's nothing else you take away from my talk about fashion day is that um, style is contextual. Like good style is contextual. There is no one one version of well-dressed that will suit all scenarios. It's like, it just has to be catered towards whatever you're trying to do. And that goes for, that goes for dating too. Like I've had some clients I've been in a, you know, I'm, I'm engaged and I've, I actually did not, my, my getting better dressed journey happened um, while I was with my fiance. So I've not personally gotten to experience any of the alleged benefits of being better dressed. But a lot of my clients who came to me for, for dating purposes have some pretty awesome stories that have come about this. And the funny thing though, is what I said to them, cause they're like, well, how do I dress to be more attractive? Like, what is the formula? And I'm like, there is no formula. We have to look at who you are and the woman that you want to meet, see where the overlap is. And then, you know, just really magnify and magnify who you are through your appearance, really make it true and authentic to you and cater to the woman that you want to meet. Because like, you know, what I'm thinking of, you know, I mean, there's so many different types of people and whether you're trying to date or whether you're trying to dress professionally, whatever that means, it's like, you really just got to wire it in to to, to the context because you know what this group subculture you know finds appealing is very different than this sub- subculture and if you you know you can't be like i just want to be attractive and it will not filter across 
all you know all subcultures all tastes or whatever oh no no you're if you want to date a goth chick uh putting on cowboy boots is probably not going to get it done uh but then again it might if you're if you're authentic and you know there's there, i'm sure there's some goth chicks that are into you know rednecks and it, you know whatever man yeah so you're right be authentic and then you know be aware of, of who you're trying to find uh yeah i, I look at things through a, a lot of things through the the whole evolutionary um lens that the angle of you know because we're basic i I don't want to think of humans as somehow outside of the animal kingdom we're part we're animals we behave like that you get you know you have the fight or flight response you you know you 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 look at things through those sorts of uh the goggles and um yeah so that's what everybody does and and it it is peacocking it's you know the the healthiest uh wolf if you want to make it into that sort of cringy sort of uh, thing is, uh, you know, the, the the alpha wolf. God, I hate the term alpha, but has the the brightest coat. So I mean, the shiniest fur, you know, the fluffiest tail or whatever. I mean, if you want to just go down that road, but it, it it's true. You know, the mangy ass dog is not the one that's going to be seen as the one that that's the one the credible threat. And no, it's not going to have any puppies either because you know none of the the females want to mate with it. So. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, um, we're coming up on an hour. I wanna. Um, I think we covered basically everything. So uh, before we get out of here, I do want to do uh, something that we've been trying to do uh, right uh, lately on the show with everybody that comes on. So if you could fight one person, a lot living, one living human being. And uh, unified MMA rules, like right now, I snap my fingers, you're in the cage, you're ready to go. Uh, Herb Dean's right there with you. Um, who, who would it be? Well, Herb Dean, all the better, because now someone's going to die. <laughs> um, oh, it's a toss-up between Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. Um I find both of them so infuriating, not really because of what they say, but because of how they've somehow portrayed themselves to be or somehow convinced others that they're, you know, very logical and poignant or whatever. Because, like, sometimes I'm like, how can people who I think are relatively intelligent think that these guys are relatively intelligent? Like, it blows my mind. Mm, Um, And while never probably figure out the answer to that, I think it would just be nice to beat either of them into a pulp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I oh, that that's great. Yep. Um, so a couple of things about Ben Shapiro. I just want to add. Uh, I for the longest time, I, I like for a couple of years running, I've said all I want for Christmas is to see a no holds barred match between Ben Shapiro and Aziz Asari uh, in a helium filled room. <laughs> Just so I can hear the squeaks, because it would be amazing. All the squeaking, because they're both kind of yeah, easily. But um, yeah, I I would like to see that too. Yeah, so Ben Shapiro, the man. One of my big gripes, and one of my big gripes is all these like, um, you know, like men should be men, patriarchy, masculinity, raw people. Or, like, men should be strong, something, I don't know, whatever, all that shit. They're all fucking pussies. I'm like, I can tell that if you were put into, in, you know, mortal peril and, and or dire pain or discomfort, you would fold. Yeah. And it really irks me that you talk such a big game. Oh, yeah. um, why can't you just be like, I'm brainy and that's my shtick? Like, not, you know, somehow allude that you two are this alpha he-man whatever 
and that all men should be that. And if they're not there, I, I don't know. Whatever it is really just irks me. Yeah, no. And, and honestly, I think if, if, if that fight happened right now and it was both of those two, you know, against you, I, it, 10 out of 10 times, you, you'd take the fight. Just, I mean, Ben Terpere is kind of a... Yeah, I try not to think about that guy because he, he makes the fact that he exists makes me upset. And then Jordan Peterson mm. was in a coma. So, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine he's out there, you know, uh, running a six minute mile or, you know, doing 10 rounds. So, yeah, I um, I feel pretty confident on that two on one as well. Yeah, so awesome. That that's that's gonna go in the file. So I think we're gonna keep like a running tally of who people want to fight. And uh, I, I imagine Ben Shapiro is probably gonna end up as the the number one guy that comes up. You know, if we keep doing this long enough. But uh, awesome. You should invite him to be a. You should invite him to like the live the live podcast where he uh, has to surprise fight somebody at the end. Oh yeah. Well, if, if we can get enough people to to, to you know pull that off, I'll, yeah, that that that's in the works. But. Of course, now it's ruined because, you know, it's, it's out there and some of you tell them because you guys suck. But, uh, mm. So, okay, well, tell people where they can find you, how, um, you know, they can engage you if they, they need your services and that kind of thing. All right, look me up, um, DapperDangerous.net, Dapper Dangerous LLC on Instagram, or um, you can also find my martial arts page, King Kong Moy, on Instagram. And uh, they're all linked together, so just, uh, yeah, hit me up. Awesome, awesome. So... Ken, thank you for uh, coming on the show, and I'm glad that, you know, we, uh, Bullshito, was a part of your life, you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm happy to have you on next time. Anything comes up, uh, some big news, or you just want to, you know, hang out, so um, come on, let us know. That was a lot of fun, and uh, again, it may seem silly, but th- that, to get contacted by Bullshito really is like a big, uh, big thing for me, so that, that really was great. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, it's awesome having you. All right, man, uh, take it easy.